which college basketball sophomores are going to break out next season. We take a look at one candidate from each power conference to make the leap on today's Locked On College Basketball. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, folks, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there, part, of course, of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton, and today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter the promo code LockedOnCollege for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off, we promise you. Folks, thrilled to be joined today by Leaf to Lean, our regular guest, as well as a contributor to the Locked On NBA Big Board, fresh off a visit overseas, coming back here to join us to discuss six different sophomore breakout candidates heading into next season. And I want to give a couple caveats before we get into the guys we're going to talk about today. We were trying to pick guys who, who didn't kind of already break out as freshmen, like we kind of tossed around the Duke guys, Proctor, Mitchell, etc., guys who probably are going to have big glow-ups between their freshman year and their sophomore years, but who are already fairly well-known. Uh, we didn't talk about Donovan Klingon. He's kind of the most obvious breakout candidate heading into next season, and I think he's been discussed quite a bit on this podcast and in many other places. So instead, we tried to pick a couple of guys, one from each major conference, who played 20 or less minutes per game last year and who, who we think could really kind of step into a bigger role and potentially put themselves if not in the NBA draft conversation, at least uh, have those numbers really explode from their first year to their second year. And Leaf, I'm going to let you kick it off with the only guy on this list who actually did play a little bit more than 20 minutes per game last year, but a guy who who I think has an opportunity to really put himself, uh, you talked about him earlier on the show a couple months ago, a guy who could potentially be a lottery talent this year in Riley Kugel out of Florida Leaf. Uh, let's kick it off talking about Riley here. Yeah, I would have taken him in the top 20 of this past draft, uh, and that uh, that's just based on talent, and maybe he had mm -hmm. some more stuff to refine than some of the guys that went in the top 20, but that, to me, if you have that level of talent, now you're going back to college basketball, you're yeah. set to break out and, and be a real, real threat to duplicate that performance mm -hmm. and be a lottery pick. Yeah. Uh, couple quick stats for Riley Kugel that I, I dug up. So, uh, it's unclear exactly to me, based off what these stats, when... Um, Colin Castleton got hurt, but mm -hmm. in the in the final nine, 10 games of the year, mm -hmm. uh, Riley Kugel went 15 points, 18 points, 12, 17, 24, 20, 19, 21, 14, and 13. And those were the, those last two were uh, in tournament play. It wasn't mm -hmm. in the NCAA tournament, but it was in uh, it was in the SEC tournament and then the NIT. So those mm -hmm. are a little higher stage for a guy who was a freshman. And hadn't had the ball in his hands. Then he was given the ball in his hands clearly in those last eight to ten games, eight regular season, two postseason, and he thrived. Yes, there was some games with inefficiency, but those were against really good teams. Whereas when he played like a team like Kentucky, he scored 24 on seven of 12 shooting. Wow. And that was two games into his tenure of, of being the man. And he wasn't mm -hmm. expected to be the man. Uh, he was expected to be a 3-and-D wing with upside. And mm -hmm. I actually ironically enough, there's just a guy talking about the NBA draft with occasionally he was a Florida fan. And I, I just oversaw him talking about, it. it was like, what's the expectation for Riley Kugel? And for those of you who are diehard college hoops fans like Andy and myself, you may remember Casey Prather from Florida. And he was like, oh, he's Casey Prather. And I was like, oh, I don't know if he can be Casey Prather as a freshman. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
who's way better. Like, and Casey Prather's a really good player. Mm-hmm. So, um, to me, I think he's the most obvious breakout mm-hmm. candidate because a lot of people know about what he did at the end of the year, but think it's all potential. Mm-hmm. But I think there was pretty much pretty good substance already there. I'll be really interested to see how Todd Golden kind of mixes and matches all the pieces here. Obviously, Colin Castleton leaving uh, frees up a ton of just touches and and, and shots and everything because he was such a, a ball dominant player uh, for the Gators last year. But we also look at this Florida team who added some significant talent in the transfer portal. They bring in Walter Clayton out of Iona. They bring in a Zion Pullen out of Riverside, UC Riverside. They also add Julian Rishwain, who's kind of more of a... Uh, probably just a a three-point shooter coming off the bench uh, from San Francisco. Of course, Golden coached him there before he took that Florida job. And certainly I think Kugel is going to be the guy who who gets the lion's share of the touches here. Uh, But I think that having more talented players around him uh, is is probably only going to serve to help him get better looks and more open shots and and potentially more clear paths to the rim. And I think the other kind of element of this that, that really stands out to me is Todd Golden's reputation for developing guards. And I think we haven't gotten to see that a ton because he's so new to the power five coaching level. He's, you know, he hasn't been at Florida for very long, but you look at somebody like Jamari Bouye who came to San Francisco with very little uh, upside and is now an NBA player. You look at Khalil Shabazz who started his college basketball career at the junior college level and left San Francisco as their all-time leading three-point shooter. And Todd Golden had a lot to do with that. So I think you look at somebody like Kugel who, who kind of has gotten a year under golden system and now gets kind of a chance to potentially take on a bigger role. And I just feel like the, the, the puzzle pieces are really lining up in a way that should, should put Kugel in a position to have a really, really good season uh, n- next year. I think his biggest step forward is not going to be how he scores, like the moves. It's just mm-hmm. going to be refining and shot selection because what he was new to the position of being the go-to score had to acclimate to that role and he was able to create space and shoot shots, but I think sometimes it was forced because he was like, man, I don't know what to do. Usually we feed through the big fell, I get the ball, and I attack closeouts. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he's going to be able to be a better shooter. He's going to have more things scripted up to him that have been planned to be script, uh, scripted for him. Mm-hmm. And then I, I also think the biggest step forward that I would like to see him make is is get to the free throw line more. And that's, what, that's a trade that all good scorers really have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think he's got the capacity to do so. Um, just a quick, quick aside on, on him is I was watching film really randomly because there is this guy on draft Twitter that was like, oh, find someone outside the top 40 that you think has a chance to be an NBA guy. And I, I just randomly stumbled into a game of his. And it's like he's got the athleticism. So mm-hmm. I, I think defensively is where I saw that that was possible. Mm-hmm. I think defensively he could also be a really good two way guard. It's just it's if he puts his mind to it there. But I agree. Todd Golden is one of my favorite coaches. I know mm-hmm. you you were very familiar with WCC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my buddies was on Todd Golden's staff, so I have I've only heard glowing reviews from when yeah. he was at San Francisco. So I'm I'm really rooting for Kugel and the Gators in, in that regard. We switch over to the Big Twelve here. Talk about talked kind of about two guards. Uh, talk about two players at Houston who we think could potentially make this this leap as well. That'd be Emmanuel Sharp and or Terrence Arsenault. It might be kind of a, an either-or situation. It kind of depends on how Kelvin Sampson wants to deploy that guard unit. But uh, Emmanuel Sharp is a guy who played 33 games last year, played about 16 minutes per night. Uh, he he redshirted the 21-22 season. So if you want to be pedantic, he maybe is, is more like a rising redshirt sophomore, I guess, instead of a, a regular sophomore. But 
regardless, a guy who averaged about six points, two boards, shot about 35% from deep. We've seen Houston play a couple of international competitions. They've been in Australia. They played four or five games out there. And Sharp was their second leading scorer in these games. And of course, for these competitions, you know, they, they play a more balanced rotation. They play more guys, get more minutes. So it's not always going to shake out exactly like that in the regular season. But Sharp is a really, really good scorer. He's a good defensive player. And I think you look at what happened with Houston this offseason. Of course, they're moving into the Big 12, which is going to be a huge transition. They lose Marcus Sasser, but they also keep Jamal Shedd. They keep Terrence Arsenault. They add Damian Dunn. They add LJ Cryer. They add Malik Wilson, all from uh, prominent programs, Temple, Baylor for Cryer, of course, and Texas Tech for Malik Wilson. So there's going to be plenty of competition in that guard room uh, for the Cougs next year. But Sharp is a guy who, who was a really highly touted coming out of high school, really good scorer. I think there's an opportunity for him to really step into a bigger role. And Arsenault, same kind of thing. He played 34 games last year, about 14 minutes. So similar-ish amount of time on the floor between these two guys. And Arsenault averaged about four points, two and a half boards, about a half a steal per game as well. So I think between those two guys, uh, maybe only one of them does. I guess it depends on the lineup, but I think there's a good chance that one of these two guys, or maybe even both of them, uh, end up being uh, really big-time performers in Houston's first year in the Big 12. Yeah, I think both are aligned for a significant workload because as good as LJ Cryer is, he's not as good as Marcus Sasser was. Mm -hmm. Jamal Shedd's going to be the point guard. We know that. Mm -hmm. So I think these guys are set up to be scorers and shooters and maybe like attack closeout type of guys. And Sharp was a pretty good shooter. His numbers didn't bear it out, but like he was regarded as a shooter. Mm -hmm. Arsenal is a tremendous athlete. Um, I'd be, and then they obviously lost Jairus Walker, which is filling in a nice position right here. Uh, I'd be very curious to see what the role of Damian Dunn is. Mm-hmm. Um, because and, and Malik Wilson too, guys who played but didn't play uh, play in the same level. Like for Wilson, mm-hmm. he was in the same conference, didn't play a ton. Mm-hmm. Damian Dunn played at Temple, but this mm-hmm. is a step up. He's a good player, but I'm curious to see whether these guys get the the respect from Kelvin Sampson to get. Hey, this is your time to shine. You're going to both be you know 12 a game or north of that scores, right? Or or is this going to be by committee for the wings? And and I. Kelvin tends to go by committee, but we've seen like Quentin Grimes take it over for himself. Mm-hmm. And these guys are both regarded as very good recruits. Like Terrence Arsenault in particular was a top 15, top 20 recruit last year alongside Jairus Walker. Yeah. Well, we got a big guard from the ACC and a potential starting point guard in the Pac-12 to cover next. But before we get to that, today's episode of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Summer may be winding down, but there is still plenty of time for you to rock your bird dog stretch khaki shorts, which are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog has fixed the issue of stiff, restricting cotton by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. They also use anti-stick sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash college or enter the promo code LockedOnCollege for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college or promo code LockedOnCollege for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Folks, want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners checking out the show on YouTube. The two-part Ultimate College Football Preview is live on every Locked On Conference show feed. I know many of you who are basketball fans are also football fans. Looking forward to the season starting next week. That is going to be available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
your team every day. Lee, for coming back here, talking about one of your favorite schools in Virginia out of the ACC and a guy in Ryan Dunn who played, uh, you know, similar to, to Arsenal and Sharp, played basically every game for Virginia, but only played about 13 minutes per game and a guy that has a lot of size and a lot of pedigree. And I know, again, you watch a lot of Virginia basketball and I'm excited to hear kind of your, your takes on, on why you think Dunn might be a guy who breaks out in the ACC next year. Yeah, th- this one, I think, is a very obvious breakout candidate because he scored 2.6 points per game, 2.9 mm-hmm. rebounds per game, and 1.1 blocks per game. Mm-hmm. Those are very pedestrian numbers. Sure. His role will be far bigger. And by the end of the year, Tony Bennett, who is not someone who doesn't trust freshmen, mm-hmm. but he, he is prone to playing older players, mm-hmm. uh, started playing him more as a trusted player defensively Ryan Dunn may be the best defender in the ACC. That's not his teammate Reese Beekman. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he's going to be sensational as like a weak, weak side uh, rim protector, someone who can pester the ball uh, among Virginia accounts. People say, Oh, he's Deandre Hunter. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little, a uh, little extreme because mm-hmm. Deandre Hunter was uh, by his sophomore year, I guess, red shirt sophomore year. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he was regarded as like, this guy's an NBA guy. Dunn isn't quite on that radar as much. I, I actually have him as a first-round pick, but it, that's a lot of projection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he'll be a guy that can score you 12 a game off activity. You don't have to draw up any plays for him. Defensively, he's going to be one of the best players in the ACC, like I mentioned. He's going to rebound. He's going to have positional versatility defensively. Offensively, if he can stretch the floor a little bit, that's a bit of an if, then I think he's going to likely be a first-round pick. And yeah. from scoring three a game to, to first-round pick is, is rare. You don't, you don't see that all that often. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Virginia made some additions kind of around the fringes of their roster, I feel like. Jacob Groves is a player that that I like. He's from Eastern Washington, so I remember seeing him a lot uh, when he was playing for the Eagles, of course, with his brother Tanner, and he transfers to Oklahoma. Now he transfers to Virginia. Kind of more, more of a shooter than I think anything else. They add Andrew Rode from St. Thomas as well, and it feels to me like Virginia is kind of Beekman's going to get a lot of opportunities, of course, and it, it does feel like Bennett's kind of really clearing a path for Dunn to be a guy who who really contributes a lot next season. And and one of the things that I really like about him is just the the versatility, like you mentioned. It's, it feels like a player who could guard multiple different positions. Uh, he's listed as a guard on on Basketball Reference, yet he averaged you know over a block a game last year in 13 minutes. Like there's definitely some some versatility. And you talk about a team that that wants guys who can who can do that, who have that kind of skill set, especially on the defensive end of the floor. That's what Tony Bennett loves. So to me, it feels like a guy who's going to earn his playing time based on what he does defensively. And if he can step up offensively and continue to shoot efficiently, he was over 60% on two pointers last year. Uh, And you're right. Stretching the floor only took, I mean, he took 16 threes last year. So we're just, you know, it's still really kind of fresh for him, but if he can be a guy who's even, even average or slightly above average from three, yeah, I think you're looking at a guy who's really going to be a, a player who turns a lot of heads next season. Yeah, well, one one last thought on Dunn is is I think if you're a Virginia fan or an ACC fan, think of like Braxton Key, but four years younger. And so that's why he's got the same level of projection that you could maybe be a first-round pick. But Braxton mm-hmm. Key's made his way into the NBA. Like he's a fringe NBA player, and he was four years older than Ryan Dunn at this point. And he was a sixth man. Mm-hmm. on a national championship team it's pretty rare to yeah. to see and i think dunn's the better athlete and he's got the chance to be just as good a defender as braxton key who is a tremendous defender moving on to the pac-12 here uh the what's the last year here of the pac-12 moving over to a program that i'm not sure could be more different than virginia in terms of pace and uh just 
coaching styles and all that stuff. That would be Tommy Lloyd's squad at Arizona. And we're going to talk about Kylan Boswell here. Uh, I think there's two really strong candidates uh, in the Pac-12 to discuss, but we've had a handful of conversations very recently about Adem Bona, who would kind of be the, the maybe more obvious pick here in this situation. Uh, we spoke with UC at Locked on UCLA host Zachary Anderson-Yoxheimer uh, earlier this week, talked a lot about Adem Bona. So I kind of wanted to switch uh, switch up and talk about Kylan Boswell instead. Boswell played 35 games last year for the Wildcats, about 15 minutes per game, about four and a half points, one and a half boards, one and a half assists. He did, did shoot 39% from deep, but the main story for Boswell is that he did that. He was a contributor to a team that earned a two seed and you know was one of the best teams in the league throughout the year. And he did that as the youngest player in college basketball. He finished the season last year and he was still 17 years old. That is insane. He's going to be 18 coming into the year. He was coming off a high, uh, in, injury in high school as well. So he comes into to Arizona, super young, coming off an injury, still finds a way to contribute. Now, the big question for him coming into this next season is where is he going to fit? And I think that's the question that that Tommy and that staff is going to have to figure out because, of course, the Arizona lost Kirk Creesa, but they add Jaden Bradley from Alabama, who's a very, very talented young guard. They also add Caleb Love, who is – going to be a very interesting fit in Arizona. I think love getting out in transition more is going to be something that really helps him excel as an off ball scorer, but between Bradley and love, where does Boswell fit in? Uh, how, you know, Umar Balo is going to get plenty of touches down low. So there's a few questions about exactly how things are going to work for Boswell, but if he's given the keys to the kingdom, if he's the starting point guard or even like a, a point guard who comes off the bench and plays 20, 22 minutes per game. And I think he's a guy who could, really excel because he's got a year of college basketball under his belt. He's a year older and he's still very young for the age. He's got really talented playmakers around him. He's got a coach who loves to push the tempo, which I think is something that Boswell is going to excel at. He's also a tenacious defensive player, really high energy guy, high effort guy, good at the point of attack. Like I think he's going to be somebody who really endears himself to Arizona fans if he hasn't already. Uh, and I think Tommy's going to, if he gives him a chance to really, uh, showcase all of those offensive skills that that are kind of hidden there for Boswell. I think he's got a chance to to truly break out. It might be a three year thing for him. Maybe we're a year early just because of his age and because of the talent around him. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Boswell uh, making a lot of headlines this season uh, in short order. Yeah, Boswell is one of the more interesting players in the country to me this year um, because. I think as soon as they didn't get Ryan Nemhard, it was mm -hmm. like, oh, this is Kylan Boswell's team. Like yeah. th that means he's the man. Mm -hmm. And then you have Bradley and Love. Mm -hmm. And Love, for all of his shot making ability, mm -hmm. isn't necessarily the easiest guy to play with in a backcourt. Yeah. Bradley at Alabama, his role could change, but he was more of a facilitator because he had to cater to the likes of Brandon Miller, who's mm -hmm. the best player perimeter player in college basketball last year. Mm -hmm. And then he had Javon Kinnerly and then you had other players. So I'm curious if he's actually a f facilitator or someone that will like to score in this up pace thing. And then also mm -hmm. you got Pella Larson and Umar Bala. Mm -hmm. So I think his distribution will be good because he'll push the pace and throw ahead. I'm mm -hmm. just curious to see if he'll be able to be like the main operator of the offense, mm -hmm. because sometimes coaches, whether good or not defer to age mm -hmm. and, and that, but but I do think he, he's actually ironically enough been on my radar for a long time because my younger brother mm -hmm. was uh, it was in the same class in high school, and oh, he yeah. would be like, "Man, I'm always watching this guy's highlights. His shot's beautiful." <laughs> and I was like, 
then why is he why is he at Arizona this year? Like, <laughs> and so I didn't watch him, but I was like, man, I guess I got high expectations. And I saw yeah. him in person. He, he looked pretty good. Yeah. So I, I I think he's the pick over Bona because I think Bona was more of a known commodity. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that would be if in the ACC I took Tyrese Proctor type. Of right. And so yeah. I, I'm I think that's the right pick, and and I'm very curious to see how good this Arizona team is because mm-hmm. there are so many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. It's going to be a really interesting season for Tommy Lloyd and the Wildcats, no doubt. Well, we got a potential all Big Ten forward to discuss, as well as a big time playmaker in the Big East. All of that coming up right after this. All right, folks, still Andy Patton, still here with Leaf Tulane on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, and we're still going through our six sophomore breakout candidates heading into the 2023 24 college basketball season. We got a player from the Big Ten and a player from the Big East left to cover. I'm going to kick us off here talking about Indiana's Malik Renault. And Leaf, you and I actually talked about Renault a fair amount on a podcast back in April when uh, Indiana initially landed Kalel Ware in the transfer portal because we were basically discussing what is this front court going to look like. You replaced Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson with Malik Renault stepping into a bigger role and now Kalel Ware. And I think that the conclusion we came to was that there's a real opportunity for this to to work really fluidly for Mike Woodson and the Hoosiers. Uh, Renault is a guy who played about 15 minutes per game last year, six points, three and a half boards, uh, about 57% on twos. And there was absolutely flashes of, of what he's capable of being. It just wasn't super consistent and again he was behind you know one of the best big 10 players of all time in trace jackson davis so fairly reasonable for his his uh, performance to be a bit subdued in year one but now you got aware as a guy who could potentially stretch the floor shoot those threes you know that's something he's going to have to prove he can do as he was pretty inconsistent at oregon but if he can do that let renault operate a little bit down on the low block uh, and of course, where is more of an eraser shot blocker on the defensive end? I think that helps free up Renault a little bit on that end as well. To me, it just feels like there's a lot of, again, similar to what we were talking about before, it kind of a lot of puzzle pieces lining up in a way that should create a situation where Renault can, you know, I, I said a potential all big 10 caliber player. That's maybe a bit of a stretch for what Renault's capable of being. But honestly, if he gets a lot of touches and, and a lot of uh, shots on the low block, I think there's an opportunity for him to really explode and, and be a really valuable piece for the Hoosiers next year. Yeah, I, I love this pick as well. Uh, I think Malik Renew is going to be better than Kalel Ware. And mm-hmm. Kalel Ware is the one that may be a more attractive draft pick just because he's mm-hmm. bigger, he's a shot blocker, he shoots mm-hmm. threes. It's a, he, he does things that are more flashy. But I think Malik Renew is going to be the highest scorer on this Indiana team. And that includes a, a freshman small forward. My mm-hmm. big question is is mostly tactical for Indiana. Like last year, they played two bigs, and Trace Jackson Davis was just good enough to get get through having Race Thompson play on the dunker spot. Mm-hmm. Is Malik Renault good enough against the Big Ten as a featured scorer, not just someone on the bench that kind of is a change of pace, to be able to score on the block, be able to score from the elbow when the spacing's not great. I know I just said Kalel Ware can shoot, but he didn't mm-hmm. show it last year. Yeah. And then they've got a freshman, Mackenzie McCogbo, who mm-hmm. is extremely talented, but I'm not sure he's a great shooter in college yeah. basketball yet. So now your front court has two question marks as shooters and then one mm-hmm. guy who likes to play from 15 feet and in. So yeah. I, I think he's got Big Ten, all Big Ten written all over him. Mm-hmm. But that gives me a little bit of pause in terms of just how efficient he can be because that's where Trace Jackson Davis took the leap. We already knew he was really good, but last year what made him better is he was able to like it doesn't matter if you double me, I'm gonna pass out of it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you single coverage, I'm getting to my left hand no matter what the scouting report says. Yeah. And so 
I, I actually, one of my very good friends uh, I work with, he went to Indiana. So we watch all the Indiana games. Mm-hmm. And I, I told him from the first game I watched, I was like, I love these freshmen, Jalen Huchifino, mm-hmm. Malik Renault. So mm-hmm. I, I think he will be probably an all-conference or second team. I think it's hard to be first team in the Big Ten, especially with the bigs. Yeah. Like Edie already occupies one of the spots. Mm-hmm. But uh, but uh, I, I love that pick. I am, I am all aboard there with you. We're going to close out the show with another player here from the big or a player from the Big East, of course, rounding it out with the final Power Six conference. And again, the obvious pick here would be Donovan Klingon, just like a Dembona was perhaps the obvious pick in the Pac-12, just like Proctor or Mitchell would have been the more obvious pick in the ACC. But everybody, everybody expects Donovan Klingon to be the breakout star. I mean, we're seeing mock drafts with him in the top five, top 10 already, which is very exciting for him, but obviously he's got a lot to prove heading into next year. And, and under the radar is, is no longer a phrase you can do, use to describe Donovan Klingon. But I would say that it is a phrase you could use to describe Desmond Claude, who is going to step into a much bigger role for the Musketeers next year, uh, kind of in place of Colby Jones for Sean Miller's team. And Leaf, I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, as this was a guy that you kind of identified that you wanted to talk about. So I'd love to hear w- what you think we might see from Claude next year for Xavier. Yeah, I think a lot of it does have to do with opportunity. Sule Boom and Colby Jones were the best two guards or tandem of guards mm-hmm. in the in the Big East last year. And there mm-hmm. were some good ones. Mm-hmm. Uh I thought they played their best basketball when unfortunately Zach Fremantle was hurt yeah. and they played a little bit smaller and they played with Desmond Claude playing the three. I think mm-hmm. he can play the two mm-hmm. and, or, or even the one they've got to transfer Quincy Olivari from rice mm-hmm. who will likely play some on ball, but, but I think they should put the ball in Desmond Claude's hands, see mm-hmm. what he can do to score and have him be the featured player from the backcourt. And then Jerome, Jerome Hunter and Zach Fremantle are going to play yeah. impressive minutes of the big. So I think you'll have a three headed monster of those players. Is it a drop-off from Sule Boom, Colby Jones, Jack mm-hmm. Nungy? And yes, I don't think the Xavier team is going to be as good. But mm-hmm. I think Desmond Claude has a chance to be a, a first-round type of pick. He's a sophomore. He was an all-Big East freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he scored in three of his last five games. Mm-hmm. He was double digits against in the Big East tournament. He scored mm-hmm. double digits twice. He scored double digits in one of the NCAA games. I, I think that really bodes well. He's one of those guys whose trajectory throughout the season I really liked and his opportunity aligns with that trajectory because he's replacing two Big East caliber, all Big East caliber guards. Mm-hmm. And now there's a lot of scoring production. And Sean Miller's known to give the ball to a guy. Like mm-hmm. he did at Arizona with multiple players and said, mm-hmm. you know what, like you, you're, you're able to handle this burden. I want mm-hmm. you to do it. And I, I kind of expect that to be what Desmond Claude does. Yeah. And I think the, the big thing for me with Claude, I think he absolutely has the potential to get a lot more touches, a lot more opportunities. Of course, there's up-tempo offense uh, that Xavier likes to run. And I think Claude's got the, all the potential in the world to be that guy. But the main thing that I think we'll, we'll really need to see from him is just an, just an increase in efficiency. I mean, he was under 47% from two last year. He was 29% from three last year. He was 57% from the free throw line. And again, this isn't a relatively small sample size and freshmen tends to make improvements in those areas year to year. And I think there's a, a real likely a real likelihood that Claude is going to do that. And, and I don't know how much the three-point shooting, he's more of a, a, a cl- attack closeouts, get to the basket type of player. Uh, but if he can stretch the floor a little bit more consistently next year, I mean, more consistent than 29%, if he's 34, 35, something like that, and a little bit more efficient around the rim, that coupled with just more scoring opportunities. I mean, he took four field goal attempts per game next year. That's going to go up quite a bit. Uh, if the efficiency ticks up as well, then I think you're absolutely looking at a- another potential all Big East caliber guard wing coming out of Xavier's program. Yeah, I- I'd anticipate he scores about 15, 16 mm-hmm. points a game, 
shoots. I mean, the free throw percentage, it, it's not that he didn't get there, yeah. which I like. Like I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier with Kugels, if he gets to the free throw line more, I think he's an even better player. Mm-hmm. Claude gets there. He plays physically. He jump stops a la Villanova kind of yeah. like he, he he's he's kind of got that that rugged wing mentality that's mm-hmm. a few years before his time. Mm-hmm. And and I think he's going to improve his free throw percentage. I think he's going to shoot a little bit better from three and then just have far more opportunity to score. Yeah. And I, I think you're looking at a guy who's probably a top 10 scorer in the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think just from opportunity, you've got mm-hmm. a very logical one there. And there, there are other players that I thought about throughout the country, but, and we didn't even think about saying like conference by conference either. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of the entire country and I was like, man, I, I feel like I'm missing someone from the big East. So I was racking mm-hmm. my brain through the, through mm-hmm. these teams and Desmond Claude popped up to me. And, and I think there's a number of good players in the big East that'll have larger opportunities Mm-hmm. But he he's the one to me that has an all conference opportunity that that didn't a year before. Well, there we go. Six different players from six different conferences. Something we did do unintentionally, but it happened to work out very conveniently for the theme of the podcast. Thank you so much for everybody out there to to giving us giving our show a listen here. This is a fantastic, fun episode. I'm really excited to see how these guys do next year. And we obviously we didn't say this at the top, but we were choosing players who are staying with their school. There are a ton of players who are one year transfers like. Kellel Ware, who we mentioned previously, uh, MJ Rice, Arterio Morris, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe we'll do another show uh, during the preseason about some of those guys. But for this show, focused on guys who are staying at their school. And I think we got a a really good look at some players who are are going to potentially do some really fun things next season. Once again, thank you so much for making Lockdown College Basketball your first listen of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners. Go hit that subscribe button on YouTube if you have not done so yet. We're getting real close to 1,500 subscribers. We would love to be there before the first tip of the college basketball season so if you haven't done so yet just search youtube search locked on college basketball hit that big red subscribe button it is very much appreciated thank you all for listening and of course until next time peace out